Welcome to Sanctuary Church on Spotify. I hope you enjoy. What we'd like to do this morning is something a little bit different, and that is that, um, you know, I don't, I, I don't know about you, but I come in here a lot of times, and there's so many other things on my mind. You know, there are so many things going on in the world that I'm thinking about. There are things like that are very simple that, that I feel like, um, okay, well, I've got to make a grocery list, and I've got to do this, and I've got to do this, and I've got to do that, and when, okay, and then I've got to take care of that, and then by 4 o'clock I should be okay to do. And so you're kind of going through those things in your head. You're still thinking about stuff that's out there. And so what we'd like to do is take a second and just become fully aware of just being here. And so what we ask you to do is just take a second, settle your heart down, take a couple deep breaths, slow down. We need to be together today. With all the things going on in the world, we just need some time to be together. So just close your eyes, let these words, let these words kind of come over you. Good morning. And I'll, I'll say a few words, and then there'll be silence. And then I'll, I'll say a few more. You call us to be your light in the darkness. your voice in the wilderness, your hope for the hopeless. You give us strength in our weakness and peace and gentleness. words and boldness to proclaim more of you and of us less. Hold us in this silence. A whole bunch of announcements actually did go through and we'll just kind of go through the slides and you can see them up here and we'll kind of walk you through. Uh, if there's anything you need to put on your calendar that's important to do. Um, the first one is, uh, again we have a memorial service for Edith Meinholz today at 11.30. Edith is one of our angels uh, at our church. She has just been, um, I can't tell you how supportive she's been of me over the last nine years. Uh, but she just uh, is an incredible person. Um, she hugged everybody who walked into this church. Hugged everybody. Didn't, know, didn't matter where you came from or what you did or anything. She just hugged you. And, uh, and it was one of those things that just always touched my heart and touched. 
She just loved anybody God seemed to bring into this church. And one of her lines that she used to use all the time is she used to say, um, if, you're, if you don't want a miracle, then you need to kind of go somewhere else because miracles happen here. And that's really the truth. Miracles do happen here. It is amazing. So that will be right after the service. We'll take about a five-minute break and kind of reset ourselves. And then we'll go into Edith's service. After her service, there is a plethora of food. Um, there are sandwiches and soup and everything that Edith would have wanted us to have because she would have wanted to feed us. The German in her would have said, feed them and feed them more. Uh, she, yes, amen. <laughs> okay. Um, again, next thing, Ash Wednesday service uh, we, is in person. It is on Wednesday night this week. Um, it will be done here, and it will be done online also, so we'd love to have you be part of that. Um, again, it is uh, the beginning of Lent as we start down that process. Uh, our uh, Ash Wednesday service, again, is online and is in person. You cannot receive the ashes online, but you can receive them in person. So please come here for that service. Next. Go on to the next one. There we go. Uh, there is no gathering on Wednesday night. Normally we have a Bible study on Wednesday night. That will be replaced by the Wednesday program, our Wednesday uh, Ash, uh, Ash service. Uh, we'd love to have you. If you want to be part of the gathering, just so you know, we are in the book of John, um, and we will send any information to you and an invitation. It's an online gathering. Uh, hopefully soon it will not be just online. Hopefully soon it will be online and in person, so that's really great. And we always feed you. See, we're Presbyterians. We feed you wherever you go. I know Baptists think they feed you, but we really feed you. We feed you good stuff. So, um, again, we will feed you uh, at, that, at that time. Bold justice. What is bold justice? And let me take a second. What I would really like to do first is I would like you to see a video because this video is what bold justice is about, and this is one of the things that we are fighting for. Understand that bold justice is a group and an organization of religious people all over Broward County. We have some over 1,000 people, 1,600 people from all different walks of life, all religious backgrounds, and we fight for justice in Broward County. And that means that what we do is we do a tremendous amount of research to find out what are the issues that we need to take care of. What are the things that we need to step forward? Who do we need to talk to? Who are the politicians that we need to approach to get things done? And so again, juvenile justice, we've expanded our civil citations, and that is an important thing because tremendous, what happens with civil citations, our kids get arrested for something that they did that is, was really not their fault or it was a mistake or it was just a bad judgment and it follows them throughout their life and so what we've been able to do is get civil citations put in which takes them out of the court and puts them into a, an organization that deals with re repenting, doing what needs to be done, reaching out to the people that would, was done to. One kid, I heard he threw an orange at a school bus. And he got a felony. An orange at a school bus. He made a really bad decision, and that decision followed him on and on. And he couldn't get into the schools he wanted to. He wanted to go into the armed forces. He couldn't get into that. So we are fighting these things where, where politicians are able to take these people out of this 
road that goes, this just leads them nowhere to actually getting counseling and getting help. And that's what a church should do. So we do that. We also deal with mental health issues and supportive housing, getting people off the street and into housing. And so we do the studies. We, we interview the politicians. We talk to them. We get all the information to make the ask to politicians, will you support this? And that ask happens at the Nehemiah Action, where we ask them, will you support this? And we have a hundred and, I'm sorry, 1,600 people from all over Broward County that sit there and wait and listen to them. Will you support this? Not long ago, we had Sheriff Tony there. And Sheriff Tony, we asked him, would you support having your men trained to deal with people with mental health? Will you support that? Will you up it? And Sheriff Tony said, no, we won't. And the whole place sat quiet. And after a couple minutes, he went and sat back down to a quiet room. And one of the politicians that deals with him, one of the, the men, they leaned over and they said, Sheriff, you have the money to do this already. And so Sheriff Tony got back up, stood up, and he said, we will get 90% of our men trained on how to deal with people with mental health this year. That wouldn't have happened if you didn't have people standing up and saying, this is what we need this is how we need to do this. So again, these fighting for senior citizens. Remember just a few years ago, a hurricane comes through and all these senior citizens died because they were in homes and the, was no, um, there was no generators? Well, we have fought to get generators in all retirement homes. They have to have generators now. This is what this organization does. And this is how you can get involved in it. We now are bringing on the idea of climate change and what can we do, what can we do with this? So this is where, where your feet hit the road. You know, when you start praying to God, God, we need to change these things, we need to change these things, and all of a sudden, we don't physically get up and do it and act. So what I'd like to show you is I'd like to show you this video that really disturbed me, really upset me, um, and I think that I'd like you to watch it. Misdemeanors have historically been the chump change crimes that we didn't pay attention to. I've done nothing. I've done nothing. Man, I just got beat up by the police last night. But I could have lost my life. Thirteen million. Well, that's about 80% of all American criminal dockets. 80% of what our criminal courts do is misdemeanors. Misdemeanor system, there is no conduct too minor, no act too small that the state cannot render a crime. Black people charged with a misdemeanor are 75% more likely to be locked up than white people. All of us engage in what would be considered to be minor crimes. And for some people, it's crossing the street at the wrong time. But if you're black or brown, then it becomes categorized as something that's criminal. Did it use the crosswalk? All I'm trying to do is go home, man. I'm tired. I just got off of work. Nandi Kane says he was walking home from work when it happened. Because I felt like they were going to draw a gun out and shoot me in my back. Our misdemeanor system includes all kinds of offenses, and some of them can be quite serious. Domestic violence, DUI. But most of the time, we treat minor, harmless conduct as misdemeanors traffic offenses, jaywalking, order maintenance offenses, spitting, 
driving on a suspended license for failure to pay a fine. And yet, these minor, meaningless misdemeanors can have terrible consequences for individuals. If people talk about what it means to have a misdemeanor on your record, it can determine the kind of job that you get, to the kind of housing that you can qualify for, to the kind of schools that you can go to. A lot of people are harmed for life because of the smallest infractions. They're being rendered homeless. They're going without food, without medication. Their children are suffering. Due to misdemeanors, I lost my housing. Shortly after that, I lost my vehicle, which led to me losing my job. And it was just one thing after another, like, like kicks to the face. I had full custody of my children. They had to get to school. We had to sleep in the car, waking up at like four in the morning, getting to a laundromat to make sure that they have clean school uniforms. I had worked so hard and all of that was ruined by one charge. One misdemeanor ruined my ability to get even just basic work. Today's system is estimated at $80 billion. The misdemeanor side of it, it is a way of saddling people with fines and fees that will put money in the pockets of the administrators of that system. We should not be locking up people who speed, who are too poor to pay a fine or a fee, who loiter or trespass or jaywalk. They're not dangerous. They're not scary. There's never been a good reason to lock up anybody for petty offenses. Like slavery back in the day, the law itself is doing the work of oppression. The criminal law is providing the authority to arrest black people, to punish black people, to kill black people. And ultimately, the real crime is that we're black. We believe in doing justice. We believe that it is scriptural that throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, we are called to do justice. The prophets call the people of Israel back to do justice. And so we take this very seriously. And so we ask people, if you're interested in being part of this, you know, Barbara will be in the back, and you can contact me anytime throughout the week, and we can tell you about how you can be part of this. We also have the rally that's going on uh, for bold justice, and it's actually being done here on March, let's see, what is it, March 8th at 7 o'clock. That rally will have about three to 400 people in this congregation all getting ready to do justice work. Um, this is important. This is important. And so I ask you to pray about it and think about it. Um, I ask you to think about where that is and what that step is and then the Nehemiah action is uh, April 4th, and it's at 7 o'clock. And we really are going to ask everybody and ask people to be a part of this. Um, we believe this is how we can get things done. And this is how we can change things within our community. This is targeted at Broward County and what's going on here. 
And I have to tell you, I had a man not long ago sat right there every Sunday in the front row. Um, and he'd gotten out of jail. And one of the things that he had talked to me about is that he had to go back for parole every month. And I said, well, you know, what, what happens to parole? They just check and make sure I've got a job and, you know, what I'm doing. So terrific. And he said, and of course, they charge me for it. They charge you for parole? I mean, you're having a hard enough time getting a job and staying, you know, in, in your apartment. And they charge you for parole? Yeah. Yeah, they charge me for parole. There are some things that are just wrong. We want people to get back on their feet. We want them to be part of the community again. We want them to survive. You know, we have people that come to this church all the time asking, can you help me, can you help me, can you help me? And this church does. This church pours out to everybody they possibly can. You know, I tell you every, tell you every week, you know, the money that you put in these joy boxes and things like that doesn't go to keep the electricity on. It's money that we are then able to use to help people. I have a young family that's trying to get on their feet. They're trying to move out of the state because it's really expensive to live down here. And to get back on your feet, you need help. And so that's what we do here at this church, is we do the best we possibly can to help out those people. And it's you. It's all you. I got, I got nothing. It's all of your caring and loving and giving. It's all you. It's all about you. So I thank you for doing the things that you do. Uh, last two things, I swear to you, okay? Uh, memorial dinner in honor of Arthur Kranick. And Arthur uh, was one of those people in our church that uh, if you said homeless, he was there. He was feeding people. And so one of the things that he required is he said, when I pass away, he said, I want you to feed people. He said, I want you to get people around you and feed them. And so it's taken a little while with the virus and everything, but we're going to have Arthur's service at 5 o'clock, and then at 6 o'clock we're going to go over and feed people. And it'll be partly you. So we have a catered event over there, and then part of that catered event is going to be some of the homeless people that Arthur had helped too. So we hope that you can be there March 11th, again, his service, and then we will feed you afterwards. God bless you guys. Let's start our service. Thank you for a long, long message. I know it was a lot of time, but thank you for what we're doing. Go ahead. Just a note, for anybody that would like to kneel when they pray, just pull down the kneeling pad that's in front of you. Please join me in the morning prayer. Gracious God, we thank you for the light that's shown in Jesus revealing unto us your holiness and our righteousness. We deplore this gap, yet we rejoice that you chased the darkness that kept it hidden from our eyes. By your light, we're both encouraged and condemned. We're reassured to see your face turned in our direction, bidding us to come unto you but we shudder at the sight of us turning our backs on you, resisting the light that could mirror your glory. We thank you, O oh God, for leaving your light in the world, even though we have not always heeded your summons to become the light of the world. 
Instead of illuminating your character, we blurred it. You've commanded us to love you with all of our being, but we have consigned our love to the pigeonhole of religion. You've commanded us to love our neighbors as ourselves, but we've been too preoccupied with ourselves to find them. You've called us to be peacemakers, yet we've encouraged the arms makers with our fears and our fortunes. You've summoned us to be wall breakers, yet we've supported the wall makers with our silence and our sympathy. We've seen the light, but we refuse to walk in it. Yet we long, O oh Lord, to keep your law and to do your will. We ask forgiveness for our rebellion, not merely for the sake of the joy that we've denied ourselves, but also for the joy that we have denied others. Keep ever before us the needs of the world into which you sent Jesus and for whose sake he gave himself to the uttermost. Let us feel its pain as our own. Seek its good as our own. And work for its transformation in the name and the spirit of him who came into the world, not to condemn, but to redeem it. We listen now, O oh God, for your word. Let its message illumine our wills, that we may will as Jesus willed. Let its spirit quicken our hearts that we may love as Jesus loved. And let its power speed our steps that we may do as Jesus did. Thank you, God. Amen. 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 I have to tell you, my background is that I come from a, a big church. That's where I kind of grew up. And this church was one of those churches that, that they had these big processionals, you know? That they had, you know, 80 people in the choir and they were all in robes. You know, and, and they would march down the center aisle singing songs and hymns. And at the front of the choir were these two young boys, twins. I know, only <laughs> twins. And they both carried an American flag and a Christian flag, and they marched this down the aisle every Sunday. And they would get to the end and they would cross and the American flag would dip to the Christian flag, and they would be placed simultaneously and at the exact same time on either side, and they would march back up, and the choir would come in and go into the choir loft singing these songs, and the pastors would be in their robes and all the different colors, and, and they, would, they would walk down with a Bible in front of them, and they would just walk down in this very solemn look. That was the church I grew up in. And I always, it just, it was one of those things that it felt so foreign. It felt like, it felt like I didn't, I couldn't relate to the ministers. And I couldn't, and I kept wondering, where did all these people come from? 
Did they just appear and come in? I mean, it was like an amazing thing that, that they came through like this. And so, as I started being involved in church more and more and more, I got to a point where I didn't wear a robe. And people would ask me, they'd say, like, uh, Pastor Duane, why don't you wear a robe? I said, well, it separates us so much, you know, it just it makes me feel like I'm, I'm this and you are that. You know, it, 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 it bothers and plays with my head. And so I, I, I want to be connected. I want to be one of you. I want to be part of you. Um, and so that seemed to divide me. You know, it seemed to divide the whole situation, you know. And it, and it felt more comfortable. You know, it felt more comfortable just to, you know, walk around and talk and instead of having this really unbelievable robe. And I didn't negotiate robes well. I really had a problem walking. I'm not used to walking in a dress. Yeah. And, and so like that was like I would step on the seam or something, you know, and, and it would suddenly bring me down an inch or two, you know. I mean, it was one of those things that I wasn't good at it. And so it was like, well, we just are going to put that over here for a while. And that's what I feel like a lot of times that, that, is that Christianity kind of separates us from us and them. And the Presbyterian Church really works hard on not having that happen. We, we do communion down amongst the people. We do, we do baptism among the people. You know, we do everything as a part of it. And I, and I think that that happens is, is that this separation, this separation from, from the people is not a healthy separation. That we are all priests. We all have our calling. I remember reading that, you know, Judge Oliver Wendell Holmes, he said, you know, I once, he said, I could have probably gone into the ministry. He said, but the clergy that I knew acted more like undertakers. And I thought, yeah, I never felt that connection with my clergy. I never felt that like, okay, this is a real person. You know, and, and Robert Louis Stevens, he once wrote in his diary, he said, he said, I had, I have to record this because it's an extraordinary phenomenon. He said, I've been to church today and I'm leaving not depressed. And I, and I thought, that's so true. I mean, I mean, the understanding is that, is that Christians are supposed to be filled with joy and, and accessible and, and connective and, and that we're a community of people that, you know, we, we pray and we care for each other, that, that we're supposed to be different and give like salt to the world, to give, to give, you know, light to the world. We're supposed to not act like it's, well, we're supposed to act like it's a feast. It's a feast. You come here to be filled. And this is really a feast. That the good news is that, is that God is here. God is among us. God is with us. And it's a feast. And you're invited to it. See, so this, this verse that we read today is this idea that Jesus is coming up to this mount. And he's telling them the good news. 
And he's telling them that he's getting down to the real roots of our issues, the real problems. He's not looking to do behavior modification here. Well, you know, if you do this, then you get this. But he's like, there are roots that we want to get down to that will help you be a more whole person. And so Jesus is going towards those roots, and, and he's talking about stuff that is deep. The idea that what was said back in Jeremiah, that, that I no longer will write these commandments on stone tablets, but I will write them on your heart. That you will have this whole different value system, you know? You'll have a whole different value system. You're like, everything is turned around. That you, that you suddenly go, wow, that is completely different than what culture teaches me. And I have to tell you, it's, it's well, maybe I, can, maybe I can explain it this way. How many of you have ever driven in a country where they drive on the wrong side of the road? Didn't that just mess you up? I mean, wasn't that, I mean, I went to Bermuda, and, and they, won't even, they won't even give you a car if you're an American. <laughs> they're, like, they're like, you just get on the Vespa, okay? You won't hurt too many things that way. Because it is, you get on, you're like, this is, this is completely different. This is crazy. Why are you guys doing this? I mean, it, it completely disorients you. And I think that's what Jesus was doing here. He was disorienting people. You know, they're saying culture tells us to do it this way, but you're telling us to do it this way. And so what we're going to do is read the scripture today, and we're going to talk a little bit more about this, um, and we'll talk about a little bit about what Jesus is saying to us and why it's different and wh who Jesus is calling us to be, or basically who Jesus is saying you already are. You already are. So let's read the scripture. This is from Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everything in the house and everyone. In the same way, let your light shine before the others, that they may see the good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And these are the words of the Lord. Praise God. One of the worst things that... Uh now, well, maybe not the worst, but one of the things that happened to me that, that are those times that you look back and you go, there was so much going on there that I need to write this down because it's something that can be used for a sermon later. And so what it was is I'm, it's late at night and, and all the lights are out in the house. You know, it's dark. It's dark. And I've decided, you know what I need? I need a potato chip. If I just have a couple of potato chips, I think I go right to bed. It'll be really nice, you know, a couple of potato chips, look out over the, you know, outside. That'll be great. I just need a potato chip. That's all I need. And I don't want to wake my wife up. Or maybe I want to sneak it. I don't know. It's one or the other. 
So I go into the kitchen and I don't turn the light on because I don't want to wake my wife up. And I kind of find the bag of potato chips and pull it down and tear it open. And I go, oh, this is going to be so good. And I stick it in my mouth and I go, what is this? And then you look at the bag and you turn the light on because at this point, you don't care. You turn the light on and you go, unsalted potato chips? What is this garbage? And who sold it? And who bought it? Me. Because I wasn't paying attention. It was horrible. It wasn't lightly salted. It was no salt. None whatsoever. It was like eating thin pieces of cardboard. And you just sat and you thought, I, this, is, this is so good. You're in the dark. You had to turn the lights on to see that there was no salt on this thing. This is like a verse right out of Scripture. That Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. You are. You give the world flavor. You give the world God color. Not you can be, or you will be, or if you work real hard. But you are it. You're it. You're it. You are it. You give the world flavor. You give it what God is saying. You give it color. It's, it's like the Wizard of Oz. How many of you remember that? Like, yeah, see, that tells our, all, all our ages, doesn't it, right? Yeah. Uh, the Wizard of Oz, all of a sudden, Dorothy hits, and boy, it all changes from black and white to color. It's like that's what Christians are about. That's what Christians are to do. It's like change and say, wait, there's, there's beauty and color and there's incredible life out here. And God wants you to see it and God wants you to feel it and God wants you to understand it. That you're to bring salt into the world. You are there to give the world flavor. You know, and then Jesus goes on and says, okay, <clears throat> it's not just, it's not just, you're the light of the world, but you are to illuminate God's love and light into this world. And we're going to put it up on a lampstand so that it illuminates all of the area. It illuminates everything. That you are to be that love and that caring. You are to be that. that that's what your purpose is. I mean, in one translation, it actually says, Jesus turns to him and says, do you know what you're here for? You're here because you're the salt of the earth. You're here because you are to illuminate God's love into the world. You are to be a blessing machine. That's what you're called to be. And so when you go into a church, it should be a place of like, okay, here we go. It's, it's the church of Edith that hugs everybody that walks in. You know, it's, it's, it's homeless people that have walked up to me and got, you know, I came into your church and this little lady hugged me. And you go, yeah. And if you come back again, you're going to get another hug. It's the church that meets us and says, this is the love you're supposed to pour out. This is what you're supposed to give into the world. This is, how, well, you're different. You're already there. You're already there. It's not you have to learn how to do it. You are part of this. And so Jesus is saying this to his disciples. 
that, you know, you are the light. And, you know, we, we get our disciples, understanding of our disciples mixed up so, so much. We, you know, for a long time there's paintings and drawings of these disciples and they're old men with white frayed hair and coming, you know. And, and when we realize that the disciples were really kids, that they were 13, 14, 15, 16 years old, maybe at the tops. And we realize that they weren't the best of the best because they weren't following a rabbi. They were doing the work that their father had taught them. So when we look at the disciples and we go, well, you know, the disciples were something special. Yeah, they, they were the losers. They were the ones who didn't get it. And so when you look through the scriptures, if you really read through the scriptures, you start to read like in Matthew, you know, Jesus is talking to them, and they're talking about what makes a man pure or a woman pure or not pure. And, and Jesus like turns to them and he goes, are you so dull? I mean, it's right there. Are you, Jesus is saying to these guys, are you so dull you don't get it? It's not what you put in your mouth, it's what comes out of your heart, what comes out of your mouth that defiles you. Oh, okay. It's what comes out of my heart. It's how I use my mouth. But they still don't get it. You know, his disciples, they're walking along behind him. Mark and his disciples are, are, are arguing and behind him. And Jesus is saying, listen, I'm going to be crucified very soon. <laughs> and I'm going to be killed and then three days later, I'm going to rise. And the disciples, what are they talking about? They're talking about who's the best out of them. These are guys that have egos. They're like trying to figure out who, I mean, that's who Jesus is talking to. He's trying to say these big, big concepts. And that's who he's talking to. Who's the greatest? Who's the best? In Luke, you start to understand that, that, that Jesus is talking, talking about his disciples, and he's, they go from town to town proclaiming the good news. And, and one of them is Mary Magdalene. There are women as disciples following Jesus. There are multiple women. In, in, in Luke 8, you even see that these are people, again, Mary Magdalene, who had seven demons come out of her. Mary has a past. These are people who have a past. Okay, they're not perfect. They're not stainless. Joanna, the wife of Cusa, who is the manager of Herod's kingdom, his household, Susanna, and many other women who helped support Jesus' ministry. So when anybody says, well, there weren't any women disciples, you go, actually, no, there were, and they supported Jesus' ministry. And they all had past. So these disciples, you've got to understand what Jesus is speaking to. He's, he's talking to them and he's saying to them, listen, this is what it is. I mean, they're not educated people. And Jesus is saying, listen, it's you who are going to change the world. You are the salt of the earth. You are the illumination of God's love. And these people, you are the people who are globally going to change the world. It's like Jesus leans forward and says, I know 
what you're like. I know about your past. I know what you do well at and what you don't. I know what you've done. I know what you don't know. Yeah, and I know about that that haunts you. But Jesus kind of leans forward into him and says, but you don't understand. You want to know the plan? You want to know how it really works? You are the plan. You are the plan. With all your flaws and all the things, that you are the plan. To illuminate God's love in the world. To be the salt of the earth, to give the world oh, flavor. You are the, but you don't know where I come from. You pastor, you don't know, you don't know my history. No, 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 I don't, but he does. And he seems to care with the idea that you are the plan. You know, you are the plan. That you are to illuminate God's love into this world. So my prayer today is that, that you accept this. That you open your heart up to God. That you get comfortable with saying yes. That you open your hands up to helping people. That you are the salt of the earth. And you understand that, that, that a church, a church is the people, not the building. It's the people. And the church exists not for itself. What can I get out of this? But what can I bless others with? How can I serve the world? And this is not, I believe so strongly right now that this is a time that we are planting seeds that people will be different and they will see the world different in the next 20 years. That we are planting seeds that will be harvested in the future. We may be planting seeds and going, I don't know if that's ever going to grow. And you say, it's God's problem to make that grow now. You know, Dr. Martin Luther King planted seeds that took years and years to grow. And we finally see the growth coming. So today, what my prayer is, is that you, that you open your mouth and you tell people your stories. You tell them stories about Edith. You tell them stories about how your life was changed. You tell them stories about what God's doing in your life. You know, I tell people all the time, I say, listen, if you get to a, if Gary, if you went to a really good restaurant, the first thing you would tell me is, Pastor Duane, I went to a really good restaurant. It was incredible. Great food. It really filled me. I mean, it was delicious, good stuff. And be like, that's right. Yep. So to say, I went to a church the other day and they talked about 
actually giving back to the community and taking care of this. This is really, and you got to come to this church. I'm telling you, life's changing all the way. And if you want to see a miracle, come on down. See, telling people about something that changes your life is important. And so I hope that you open your eyes to what God is calling you to do. I hope you say yes to God's calling in your life. And I hope you babble. I hope you tell people about how your life is being changed. Because you are, Robert, you are the salt of the earth. Dwayne, you are the salt of the earth. Gary, you know, you are the salt of the earth. You illuminate God's love. You illuminate God's love. Let us pray. Dear God, you call us to be and to do things that frankly worry us sometimes. But I ask you, don't let us be like a salt shaker just sitting over to the side, not doing anything, holding everything back from giving the world flavor, illuminating your love into the world, showing people the love and color of God in this world. So be with us. Guide us. We pray this in your name. Amen.